Father, um, thank you for allowing us to come tonight and just to celebrate and to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. That's cool. Danita and I have been married for um, 29 years, and on our 25th anniversary, we went to St. John. And we rented a house, had a house for a week, and it was up on the hill, and it overlooked the water, just a sparkling diamond water. About 50 or so sailboats were down there uh, below us. And um, the, sun, the sun goes down quickly in St. John. So the sun goes down quickly, and it comes up early. And so our goal was every morning when the sun came up about, not, about 5.30, our goal was to go out to this huge wraparound porch and to read some scripture and to pray for about an hour. And so my goal was to read through the whole Gospel of John in that week. Danita had this lounge chair that she picked out, but I had the hammock. I picked out the hammock, and some hammocks, after you get off of them, you need to go see your chiropractor, not this hammock. This hammock was awesome. And I'd start reading every morning about 5.30, and I'd get to about 10 verses, and I would fall dead asleep. I mean, just incredibly, the kind of nap that you wake up, it's not, it's not even like, where am I? It's who am I? And I'm drooling all over myself, you know? And, and so if you were to ask me, like, what is my favorite place of rest? Where have I felt rest more than anywhere else in the whole world? It, it, would, it would be in St. John. And so, you know, it's funny because even like now when I go to the YMCA and there's like four minutes of of squats during this one exercise, and I think squats are the Antichrist. I think squats came from hell. I I really do. They are not a biblical exercise. So whenever I'm doing those four minutes of squats, I think about St. John. I go to my happy place. Same thing when I'm in the dentist chair. The dentist has got the needle, and, oh, this doesn't hurt. This hurts me. Worse hurts you. That's not true. It hurts me. I, I, I think about the de- you know, St. John in the dentist chair. What about you? Where's your place of rest? Out of all the places in the world, when it comes to rest, where would be your spot? Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's your chair at home. You know, they call those lazy boy chairs. They don't call those worker boy chairs, do they? Those are lazy boy chairs. Maybe it's your lazy boy. Maybe it's your swimming pool. And maybe out in your pool, you've got like a raft or a float, you know, and this is where you chill. You chill with a glass of iced tea. We, we won't say beer because we're in church. It's Christmas Eve. But you're at your iced tea, you know, and you're relaxed out there by the pool. Um, maybe it's church, you know, maybe your place of rest is church. Every time Kurt preaches, man, I go right to sleep. It's just <laughs> most peace. You laughed way too hard at that. That wasn't meant to be funny. So, but, but, but all of us probably struggle with restlessness. I, I, I do. I, I, two months ago, this whole idea of this message came to me. And I have rewritten this crazy message four times because it took me the fourth time to realize God was trying to get my attention. I struggle with restlessness probably more than any other temptation in my entire life. And so I'm coming to you tonight as your preacher, your friend, your shepherd, and this is an area of great struggle for me. And so how do we have healthy ambition but we don't get into place of unhealthy restlessness. There was a guy who was very restless about his income, and he didn't have enough money, so he took all his money, and he went to the racetrack. 
and he's going to go bet on a horse and try to increase his holdings. And so he goes to the racetrack, and sure enough, he sees an old priest out there in the infield, and the priest, you know, sprinkles some water over the horse and does something with his hands, and the horse wins. He does it a second time, and the horse wins. The priest does this three times, sprinkles some kind of water all over the, the horse and does something with his hands. And the, he says, you know, if he, if he does this again, I'm going to go better on the next horse. The, the next horse wins. So he takes all his money, goes to the window, and waits and see which horse the, the priest is going to sprinkle water over and lay hands on. So about this time, he does to the fifth horse. He quickly gets the money into the window. The window shuts. The gun goes off. The gate goes off, open. And that horse goes about 50 feet, falls down, and dies. Well, the guy's beside himself. He's just lost all of his money. He runs out to the infield and finds the old priest and says, what's up with this? You do something with four horses and they win. You do something with this fifth horse. It goes 50 feet and it dies. The priest said, I bet you're a Protestant. Well, yes, yes, I am. He says, that's the problem with you Protestants. You don't know the difference between a blessing and last rites. See, I think that's funny, too. I love that joke. I do. And I'm making fun of us Protestants. So I know half of you in the room are Catholic, so we're cool. We're cool, right? We're cool with that. But we've got to know the difference. It's a problem if we don't know the difference between unhealthy ambition and restlessness. We've got to know the difference. So let me, first of all, start with four suggestions on what not to do. These are four things that I do not recommend. Here's the first one. The first one is this. I don't think that we should pretend that there isn't anything to be restless about. That that doesn't help. I think there's a lot to be restless about. You and I live in a world of a lot of pain, a lot of problems, and there's a whole lot of things. If you're a senior in high school, you've got a hundred different people asking you, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? You don't know. You're 18 years old. Well, what are you going to say? You've got all these different people ask if you've got a job and you're 21, 22, 23, 24 years old. You're asking yourself, do I really want to do this for the rest of my life? You, you don't know. And so I don't think it helps us to pretend that there aren't a whole lot of things today that we shouldn't be restless about. We are very restless people. Second of all, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't live like everybody else. You see, this causes restlessness. When you and I live like everybody else, then we just end up being restless like everybody else. And so you're looking at everybody else, and everybody else is restless too. And what happens with that, when you look at everybody else, all you see are the highlight reels of someone else's life. You see Facebook. When you live like everybody else, you just see the highlight reels of other people's lives. And what you don't see is everything that goes on behind closed doors. And so if you live like everybody else, you're going to be like everybody else, and everybody else is restless. But behind closed doors, they may be about to get a divorce. They haven't been intimate for nine months. Or there's incredible alcoholism from one or from both parties. Or they haven't even spoken to each other in three days. You live like everybody else, you will be restless. And also, if you live like everybody else, you're going to be average because everybody else is average. Who, who in the room wants to be average? Who wants an average marriage? Who wants average kids? 
Who wants to have an average job? Who, who in the room? I don't think any of us want to be average. We all want to be above average, beyond that. But if you live like everybody else, you will be restless. And so if you live like everybody else and you pretend like there aren't things to be restless about, you will do number three. You'll just pedal faster. That's all you do. You pedal faster and faster and faster. So I got to have more projects. I got to have more risk. I got to have more toys. I got to travel more. I got to have more jobs, more opportunities, more degrees. All I do is I pedal faster. Now, I have pedaled faster. In my life, I've learned to pedal faster and faster and faster and faster. And you know what that does? It leaves me tired. And it leaves you tired. And so to be restless is not at all what God wants us to do. But if we're just pedaling faster and faster and faster, we'll never have that state of rest that is offered unto us. Number four is another suggestion I wouldn't do. I wouldn't live from the outside in versus from the inside out. Let me explain that. See, a lot of us live from the outside in. We just jump into the river of culture. And whichever direction culture takes us, we're just going down the river. We're just floating down the river in in the stream and the flow of culture. And culture is just live like everybody else. And everybody else is just pedaling faster. And everybody else is just pretending like all the issues of their life really aren't issues when they're great issues. So those are four things I I wouldn't do. Have you ever noticed that Jesus never was restless? You and I, whether you believe in Jesus as the Son of God or you think he was a good teacher, whatever your beliefs about Jesus are, you never see Jesus in a state of anxiety. You never see Jesus having to be all tanked up, all medicated, all pay. You never see Jesus rush, rush, rush in a hurry trying to be something. You always find Jesus very busy. And you find Jesus accomplishing great things. In three short years, Jesus accomplished more than collectively all of us in this room could ever dream or imagine. He was always busy but he was never restless. But if anybody had a reason to be restless, it would would be Jesus. You see, here's what happened at Christmas time. At at Christmas time, God takes on the form of a baby, specifically a fetus. And so God, who had all power, all authority, He was all those big omnipotent words, omnipresent, omniscient, all those big 50-cent theological. He he was all those things. God then decided to limit himself. And if there's anybody who could have been restless, it would have been Jesus. Because he goes from this to this. And right here, he goes from creating the world to now being created for nine months inside of Mary's womb. He goes from being all powerful to unless his mother Mary feeds him, unless his papa Joseph protects him, he's not going to make it. 
He goes from being able to be everywhere in a nanosecond to now he can only travel so many miles a day, teach so many people, heal so many people before he has to eat and sleep and drink. You talk about a state of potential restlessness. He had it all. But you never find Jesus here limited. You never find him restless. Why is that? Well, I think the answer is, is Jesus always stayed connected to his heavenly father. Every time we see Jesus in scripture being tired or working hard, he he does something like this out of Mark chapter one. Look at this. Mark chapter one, very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He gets alone and connects with his heavenly father. Why was Jesus never restless? He had a lot of reasons to be restless. He limited himself. He knew what lie ahead. He knew there was going to be a cross. He knew there was going to be a trial. He knew there was going to be a scourging. He knew there was going to be a cross. He knew all that. But he was connected. Look what he does in Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. Another story. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to what? To pray. And later that night, he was there alone. One more story. Matthew chapter 26. This is right before he's arrested in the garden that Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. You see, this was always the will of our Heavenly Father, for us to be able to be connected to him. Now, you've got a lot of reasons to be restless, but you have an antidote that we're going to talk about in just a minute on how you and I can be connected to our Heavenly Father, and it changes the way you live. It changes the trajectory of your life. And so this is Christmas. Christmas is a story about God becoming a man, and this man paves the way for us to be connected to our Heavenly Father. Well, that's Christmas. Now, fast forward about 33 years, and we go from Christmas, now we go to Easter, And 33 years later, Jesus then will be tried and arrested, and he will uh, go through a scourging, and he will be crucified. He will hang on a cross for six hours, three hours, darkness covers the earth. And then he is buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later, he rises from the dead. And the one who limited himself now becomes the one without any limits. And he becomes the king of kings. And he becomes the Lord of lords. And he sits down at the right hand of God the Father. And at his name, every knee would bow. At his name, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he has no limits. He has all power and all authority. So we go from Christmas to Easter. And that's why he had the authority in John chapter 1, verse 12, to ask us to do this. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right. You have the right to become children of God. Maybe John chapter 17, verse 3 is equally as impressive. And John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This was God's plan from the beginning of time. And 700 years before Christmas, Isaiah the prophet wrote this. Isaiah said, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Repentance is change your mind, change your behavior. That's what it is. Change your mind, change your behavior. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust, that is your strength. Well, then why am I still so restless? Why, why do I still wake up with this angst, this, this anxiety? Why is it never enough? Why is there this drive for more and more and bigger and better and faster and shine? Why, why, why is it that I never feel like I've arrived? Why, why is it never enough? Well, see, what happened when we had the fall is a whole lot of stuff got filled up in your cup and in my cup. And this represents you and me. And so in your life and in my life, there's some restlessness because of some really poor choices that we've made. I can't blame anybody else for these choices. I can't blame anybody else for what happened. I did it. I willingly did it. It wasn't a yellow light. It was a red light. And I punched the gas going through the red light. I knew exactly what I was doing. And so there's some restlessness in your life and in my life because of some really poor choices that we've made. But there's also some restlessness in our life that we really didn't have anything to do with. Aunt so-and-so and uncle so-and-so, they drank way too much and had a car accident and messed up your mom or messed up your dad and because aunt and uncle raised your mom and dad, you know, you got messed up. And so there's some things in your life, some restlessness in your cup that honestly you didn't do. You didn't have anything to do with it, but you were a victim of that. And so we have all these things filled in our cups then that cause us to be restless. And so some of our cups are filled with insecurity. And some of our cups are filled with inferiority. And some of our cups are filled with, you know, I'm not going to be poor. I grew up poor. I grew up without the right shoes. I grew up without the right jeans. By golly, no matter what it takes, I'm not going to grow up that way. Some of us in the room, we talk too much. We just talk too much. Every time there's a pause, you get nervous and you have to say something. Some of us in the room don't talk enough. Some of us in the room, our cups are filled with some passive aggressive behavior. Some of us are filled with anger. We're just pugnacious. Somebody says left, we say right. They say white, we say black. We're filled with all kinds of different stuff that's in the cups of our life. And as a result, we are restless. And so we can pretend that we're not restless. We can pretend we have nothing to be restless about. We can pedal faster, just keep pedaling faster and faster and faster. We can live from the outside in versus the inside out, or we can try to live like everybody else. But Christmas, Christmas is different. Christmas is Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2. Truly my soul finds rest in God. Your soul will not ever find rest in anything. Oh, there's some great things. 
There's some great things that can soothe you, that can distract you, that can pacify you, that can for the moment satisfy. There's some great things in it, but your soul, it's only going to find rest in God. That's how the Creator made you. You can't find rest in anybody else or in anything else. You can try, but you won't find it. My soul finds rest in God. My salvation, it, it comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. And so what Jesus comes to do is he comes to pour into your life. He comes to pour into your life. And even though you're filled with envy or you're filled with greed or you're filled with anxiety or you're filled with some kind of image management or you're filled with a pugnacious spirit or you're insecure, we just keep going on and on and on. Here's what he does. He takes all your restlessness and he begins to pour into you. He says, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He said, you know what? Perfect love casts out fear. My, My son, my son became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. Oh, he comes to pour into you. You got struggles, addictions, habits. What I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Man, I'm worried about money. I'm worried about what am I going to do? My God shall supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Wow. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Christ has given us a measure of faith, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. I don't know if I can do it or not. I promise, 2 Corinthians 2, 14, Christ always leads me to victory. I remember that every day. Christ always leads me to victory. Not because I'm better than you, not because you're better than me, but the Bible says he always, always, always leads us to victory. Christ became wisdom, and he gives wisdom to me. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 says, I can display strength and take action because I know God. And the whole Christmas message, the whole Christmas message is he knows about your restlessness. He knows about your life. But the whole Christmas message is I've come to pour into you. And as I pour into you, that other stuff, the dregs and the gunk and the junk, they just kind of dissipate and and I move them out of your life because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And it all started with Christmas, with Christmas. Matthew chapter 1 says this. It says, she will give birth. Who's she? It's Mary. It's this peasant girl. It's got a little bit to do with her, but it's got everything to do with God. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he, let me tell you what he's going to do. He's going to save his people from their sins. So we worship you, King Jesus. And during this time of the year, we celebrate our connection with you. Because the antidote, the antidote to restlessness is the presence of you, Christ. The antidote 
is always you, Jesus. You are always the antidote to all our restlessness. And we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.